Hey, everybody. We are back to talk about uh, the Die Hard on a podcast run. Uh, we are here to recap the 11 episodes that we have covered on our, our, our last few weeks of this podcast. And we appreciate anybody who's hung with us on this. Um, <laughs> what? God knows. Appreciate it. They appreciate. should goddamn appreciate us. They should. You know what? I'm sorry. It's a gift to the world. You're right. After this, we're going to put this up behind a paywall so people can pay us for how much they appreciate <laughs> for the, the the seven people that listen to this. No, this, this is a blast of a run. I, 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 I don't want to say it's my favorite of the run we've done so far, but uh, it's right there. I, uh, I, I we covered a lot of good nostalgia for me. I think that was what I enjoyed about. Yeah, about that's what really got me too. Of uh, the shit you, I've loved for a long time. And then you made me cover a rock movie. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so cool see. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna have a. I, I think we're gonna have an interesting debate about where uh, where that rock movie is ranked. <laughs> I can't wait. Well, so so I think so. Again, we we covered eleven movies. Um, the 11 movies were uh, in in order of, of how we, we did them. Sudden Death, Executive Decision, Air Force One, uh, Toy Soldiers, Under Siege, Passenger 57, <laughs> Skyscraper, Speed, uh, the 2012 movie Dread, not Judge Dread from 95. We've already covered that. So please don't please don't get him confused. Yeah. And Cliffhanger. And so I think... Um, Weirdly, we picked 11 movies. I'm not sure how it worked out that way, <laughs> but we did. And um, uh, we have three of those that are airplane-based, die hard hey, on an airplane. Do we, do we do 11? We did 11. Uh, I only have 10 in my ranking, so I'm missing one. We have 10. I fucked up. I can't count. Okay. okay. <laughs> That's a relief. I can't count. All right. So good news is the guys I didn't, I didn't want to have to go through where to put this other movie because these rankings were a struggle. So um so I think what we're gonna do for this episode was uh was talk about what our rankings are and um then we will uh talk about what we're gonna do next. But the rankings I think are are are, are to Mike to your point gonna be tough. Um I'm gonna kick it off to you. So I put my rankings in, so you've seen what I ranked last and i think let's Ooh, i have not oh you have okay so it's, in our, it's, in, our, it's in our google doc uh, but... can can i uh request an adjustment sure on the podcast you sent some categories yes i did i think we should do the categories first let's do categories because i i want i i i want to try to hear your categories to then try to anticipate what you're going to do for rankings okay let's do it so, um, so I, I had, um, we talked about it uh, a second ago, but we had, I'm, I'm going to do a softball one, I think best diehard on a plane. So, you know, if, if I recap real quick, we had, if I looked at the concepts, what we've covered, we have, we have diehard on a mountain. We have diehard on a diehard, which is dread. <laughs> yeah. Diehard on a bus and, and skyscraper, uh, diehard on a bus. Die Hard on an Airplane, <laughs> Die Hard on a Battleship, Die Hard at the Stanley Cup Finals, <laughs> and, and Die Hard on the, the NHL Stanley Cup or, uh, uh, Semifinals, and Die Hard on a uh, boarding school. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I think because we covered the most within Die Hard on an Airplane, 
I'm curious, what is your what is your favorite Die Hard and Airplane choices being Air Force One, Executive Decision, or Passenger 57? So I this is not gonna line up with my rankings, but I viewed this as what does the best job of being of of hit doing that premise of being die hard on a plane? So I gave it to Passenger 57. So oh, I hey. think that most replicated die hard on a plane. And I, I have some grievances with the other movies, but I, I, I just <laughs> want to give some respect to Passenger 57 too. <laughs> I uh I actually 100 percent agree with you. Is I I think Passenger 57 is the most oh my fun. god, really? Yeah, yeah. No, it is. I like executive decision. Uh, spoiler alert um air force i missed a number i'm looking at my rankings i missed the number five <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> however which is why you're at 11 yeah it's how i'm at 11 is i can't fucking sequentially count um but air force one to me was 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 the worst movie of my overall rankings and it's a oh, uh, i have a feeling unlike our previous <laughs> rankings we are going to be really really different it's fine i can't wait i can't wait but air, air force one to me was just it's boring and so i think uh, i put it i put it at the very bottom of our our die hard on airplane uh, uh run so all right next question to you then um who you know, again, Die Hard's probably one of its biggest benefits is having Alan Rickman as Hans Gruber as the uh, the villain. So if you had to pick the best Hans Gruber proxy, uh, what movie are you going with? Are you going with uh, Mama from Dread? <laughs> are you going with the uh, uh, disgraced bomb technician in Speed? Or are you going with... The incompetent drug dealer from Toy Soldiers, whose dad is the motivation for the entire movie. So it's hard. Dennis Hopper, he's such a a veer off of the Gruber track. I feel bad. I didn't really consider him for this because he's fantastic, but he's like the antithesis of Hans Gruber. So I feel it's hard to pick him. Am, am I allowed to have a tie? Yeah, sure. Sure. I know this is really important. So I just want to make sure. <laughs> Wives depend on this shit. So I had a tie between Gary Oldman and Powers Booth. I agree with one of those. I disagree I think, with the other. I think Powers Booth is the most Gruber or trying to be the most Gruber-esque. And I appreciate that. Whereas Gary Oldman is so... It, it's the best performance. He's so good. And it's almost beyond like what we're doing here of what he's doing in the movie. Yeah, I know. Distracts oh. from the movie in a way. Uh, but uh, he's just so fantastic in it. I couldn't, I couldn't not give some respect to that, but I, that's why I had to have a tie though to give it to powers booth too. Cause they are, I, I'm guessing Gary Oldman would not appreciate being tied with the powers booth performance from sudden death in this category do, do, do you, you think he appreciates that because i i don't think oh i know i think he would i think he would not appreciate that i think mm. he would have have some issues yeah i i think um i have to give it 
probably to I'm gonna give it to Tommy Lee Jones under siege. Okay. Just yeah. just because yeah. uh he, he brings a lot of crazy energy to that role. Uh Stranix. Rocks on that stage. <laughs> he, hey, and he can sing. And that's what he that's yeah. what he delivers on is he delivers on the 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 vocals for, for that movie. So um all right. And this is this is a weird one, and it may not apply to every movie. Um, because if I'm not mistaken when I say this, the answer for sudden death is gonna be a a uh professional hockey team's mascot. So I'm curious to see how this goes. Uh but best heroine in in, in the movies that we've talked about. I I, I had to tie again. Is it Jordan Taylor from Under Siege? Uh it, it is not. And not not a fault of hers, a fault of the movies on that Fair. one. Um so I had Holly Berry from Executive Decision. I feel she does the most. She she really is helping. She is she's doing a lot in the movie. She's pretty integral to what they're doing. She is active trying to fight these terrorists without being totally aware there are these like army whatever guy army rangers on the plane. Um, hey, they're Navy Seals. You yeah, get it I right. That she gets the most to do and is very good doing it. And then my my tie with her is Icy. Icy, yeah, Icy. Yeah, I had to have Icy in it. I, I just, it, it's the one we've talked about the most. We keep coming back to Icy. Do you think that her relationship with Darren McCord is what makes her a better character for you? Because <sighs> I buy it so much more than the relationship between Holly Berry and uh, Kurt Russell. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think that matters. Well, you interestingly, buy the there were stakes. You feel the pain, the Lacey's death. And both relationships are hinge on hockey. It's a <laughs> yes, focal point. they are. Because <laughs> for, for some reason, the mid-90s. So in the mid-90s. That's what Hollywood was doing. In the mid-90s, who's the better team? Is it the... Uh, is it the um the Penguin Pittsburgh Penguins or is it the Washington Capitals? I think it's the Penguins. <laughs> I think it's the Penguins too. So yeah, I don't I don't I don't remember exactly why, and I don't know enough about early '90s uh, hockey, but that sounds right <laughs> to me too. Yeah. So okay, all right. So I have to give it to Sandra Bullock. I think that's a runaway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For, yeah. For is 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 uh, she crushes it in speed. I think she it's the role that launches the rest of her career. And I think it, it's it's easy to it's it's almost a no contest for me uh for for Sandra Bullock. I don't disagree. That's probably the correct answer. Yeah. No it is. Don't worry. It is. It's <laughs> <laughs> Um I I just it, it it is a moment I remember I distinctly remember of just having a absolute crush on somebody um of, of seeing her in speed and do, do, that, I, do i need do i need to buy your wife an arizona wildcats hoodie it won't hurt but it's she's just she's beautiful she's funny she can deliver on the action stuff and it's just it's such a good launching platform for somebody's career i i, th I feel like Halle Berry's good in executive decision and she's given a lot of agency in that movie, but she goes on to def define her career with much bigger roles later on. And I think, um, you know, it didn't feel like that was the moment where 
okay, Halle Berry's a household name because of executive decision, if that makes sense. That's fair. When you're making, I, I, not to be morbid, but when you're doing the obituary for Sandra Bullock, you probably mentioned speed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. When you're doing the obituary for Holly Berry, I don't know if executive decision comes up. <laughs> it's swordfish. <laughs> Zing! <Yeah. laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Um, so we have to do our rankings. That was my other category. But what do you think the best Die Hard premise is? Again, we have Die Hard on, so, die hard on a Mountain, Die Hard on a Bus, Die Hard on a Building, or again, yeah. um, Die Hard on a Ship, and Die Hard at the NHL um, Finals. <laughs> so game this game one, six of the Stanley Cup. <laughs> this one was a slam dunk to me of there. there's a right answer, and it's it's cliffhanger. It's Die Hard in the Mountain. It's okay. escalate, it escalates the premise in that kind of Hollywood way, whereas like, you know, all the other ones are basically still die hard in a building. And yeah, in the on the plane or on the boat, that building can crash and things can happen. But they're still basically in a structure. Whereas on the mountain, you've gone to a different place and another level. And so I thought I thought it's just hands down had to be had to be cliffhanger. Hmm. Okay, I, I'll give you that because it, it, it is the most unique. I, I think it's of all the movies we're talking about, it's the only movie that doesn't involve um, the main character having to use guns, and it's it's really using their wits and their 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 bare hands to to survive. Yeah, it just adds experience. a lot of elements that differentiate it. Of, yeah, yeah. I um, hmm. Yeah, did I sell you on it? Or uh, cliffhangers up there for me in terms of the rankings, but I, I would have to give it to speed. I think that's like such a good. It, it, they managed to take the, the the concept of Die Hard on a blank and distill it into something that mm, interesting. You know, it, it's interesting. We talked about it that Jan de Bont said that sounds really boring at the onset, right? And I think it's interesting that he took a concept that sounds very boring and managed to manages to mold it into something that's still very compelling and very fast paced. Okay. Even so you're giving credit for the execution. Yes. I'm going to give him execu okay. uh, execution okay. credit. Fair. I think, Fair. Um, I think it doesn't deliver as much on the, maybe the, the, the hero or the villain as much as the other movies do like cliffhanger. But I think the, the way it's done is, is very solid. I, I appreciate what the bond's able to bring to the, 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 the overall pacing of the movie. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Seems we're both about to fall asleep for uh, <laughs> for doing mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right, all right. So I'm ready to rank it. Let's rank this shit. I'm really curious. Yeah, I really feel we're gonna have some big differences. Before we kick that off, I'm gonna pause it real quick. Okay, ready. So, all right, I want you to go first for your. For your rankings let's start okay. from number lowest to highest oh, so either either number painful. 11 or number 10 depending on if you can count <laughs> which i cannot number 10 i i hate it i really enjoyed it so i hate having it at the bottom but uh, so number 10 i have toy soldiers you know what that's okay 
because I, I again we talked about it but the uh the villain in that is a a, uh, a drug dealer's or a drug kingpin's son who fucks up the plans pretty much at every turn but i do think that the, yeah. the cast brings brings a lot to the table um, yeah i mean i can't disagree with anything good you want to say about it uh, it's i think a big thing for me was having never seen it before not having the nostalgia for it yeah unlike unlike the rest of these movies well uh, if, so if, if you'd watched it like i had with this the nintendo super scope is is yeah. like your your what, your what what's this guy's name you had to sleep over with you know break into his house no hey. his, name, his name is david hey. bruce he was hey. he was we're watching we're watching toy soldiers <laughs> so his, he, the, he, they lived on walton the way scope? but then i think not long after this his family moved to san diego so i'm pretty sure <laughs> i go to san diego all right fantastic and he goes great yeah uh maybe he's a chargers yeah. fan who knows um <laughs> Let's find a way to tie this into sports and to Star LH, Trek. LA Chargers now on every on every movie, sports and <laughs> sports and Star Trek. Um, no, look, it, it, it's probably not the the best in terms of holding up on on all fronts. Like the villains, I would say not not uh, the villain is probably subpar, and the the premise is not that good. And whatever you've got, Jerry Orbacher. Is <laughs> the mafia lead like that's not a that's not a good sign? Well, we talked about some of the problems with having kids in the R-rated movie. Yeah, um, th- this is like the Goonies, but you're not murdering children. Like, yeah. yeah, well, and, like you can't make an R-rated movie for people under eighteen. Like that's not. Yeah, that doesn't make a sense. problem. <laughs> like in, in, in just in, in basic concepts. So, yeah. um, I'm surprised right, you... that Sean Astin's butt did not pull that higher for you, but. um <laughs> <laughs> it tries. Um, number ten for me is Air Force One. If you like, I get to... it. I do. Get you? It. I, I don't I think you do. I, no, I have a good bit higher. Just respecting the filmmaking of it, but it was a struggle because I, I tried to view this a little bit as like what. So we watched all of these obviously very recently, and I was like, and so I tried to approach it for most of them as what am I going to watch next? Like, when's the next time I'll watch one of these? Oh, it's 15 years for me on Air Force One. So that's the one that I probably violated that rule. Not sure when I'll watch Air Force One again. I could see in like, I don't know, even even like this summer, but like not too far from now watching it with my kids just because they would have never seen it. And it's still fun as a concept. Of, but just on my own, it might it might be the bottom of my list for what I might watch next out of all these movies or watch again out of all these movies. But I thought it's still the filmmaking still better enough than some of these where I felt obligated to put it higher. But uh, I, I can't I can't fault you for having it there. I think I think you're right. Uh, it's a wolf. Remind me, it's a Wolfgang Peterson movie. So yeah. I think. You're right. The quality is there. Sure, the talent is is there with with the actors and actresses, but I think I feel like it's weird in the pantheon of Harrison Ford movies. And Harrison Ford's, I think he's seventy nine or eighty this year. I, yeah, I guess he got to be. I mean, um, and 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 we're gonna we're 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 a few months from the 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 next 
was it the sixth Indiana Jones or no the yeah. <laughs> fifth Indiana Jones movie, and um, this just I, I go back to what I I think when we recorded it. My issue with it is it's um, not that it's a not a well made movie. It's just boring. And Jurgen yeah. Prock now it's is just, not a, is is kind of wasted too, as the bad guy. It's too earnest, too serious. Yeah. Like yeah. It's too Tom, it's not fun. It's like not too as, much of a Tom Clancy aficionado making a movie. It's not as fun as some of these other ones. Yeah. Yeah. And and, and it's it actually out of all of my, my rankings, it's the lowest I have. It's two and a half. And it's not because it's a it's a poorly made movie. It's just it's boring. I just didn't feel very, very in, uh, interested in it. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I know. I get that. Not quite what, what you're looking for out of this type of movie. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll jump ahead and I'll even say that um, my ninth movie was Toy Soldiers. So I'm not that far off from okay. you on, on, yeah. on, on that one. Yeah. And that makes sense for these. Is that uh, There's just a lot of like, pretty, pretty heavy hitters, pretty strong things here action wise or makes sense. What right, do you so my, my number nine was pretty shocking. Because if we had ranked these prior to the run, this might have been in my top three. Uh oh. But I have I know, under I, know I have under siege at nine. But, uh, you know what? I can't blame you. I've uh I, had I just watched it this time and really seeing how much they're shooting around Seagal. <laughs> like and like I was like, yeah, this had like I, it's just so easy to see how it could be better. It could, and I, I wonder if you had even like a JCVD. And then yeah, you I, and I, well, we that'll come how, up later when we see how high another movie is ranked on my list. Fair. <laughs> if this is JCVD, I think this might be top three for me. All right, fair, fair. <laughs> so you need some splits, and you're and you're you're on board. I do, I do. Um, I uh. I can't blame you. And I will say that was the one surprise for me when we talk about it was um, I thought under siege would be like a top three for, for me. And it fell quite a bit. And I think it's, it's tainted by Seagal's weird um, current, current times persona is like the Russian henchman. Well, he's just not a good actor. No, so it's, it's, it's he's not. just researching it. And they just like, Man, they were like working around having cigar. Like, oh they, yeah, they, no. I still it, enjoy it, but it's like yeah. It's... But that that movie's propped up by Busey and Tommy Lee Jones and and Cole Meany, and it's yeah. like without without yeah. those actors as bad guys around him, I just you're right. Like, it's just and it's just a, not a good. There's movie. a reason they have three actors on the bad guy side to try to <laughs> prop up what they're doing. Like, and yeah, it barely it's... works. It barely works. And, it, and, it, yeah, and it, it's, again, it, it's still a talented crew behind the behind the camera. It's Andrew Davis who does the Fugitive a, a year later. With I, I think I read it was like nine character or nine actors from yeah. Under Siege. <laughs> There's a ton. Yeah, it's like basically everybody but he did, and, and I think Seagal, I think a lot of the crew and like yeah, yeah, go on to make a a um, almost Academy Award winning movie f- with uh, with Harrison yeah. Ford. So <laughs> it's it, I think I think this is. Uh, you're right. A lot of this falls solely on on Seagal's shoulders for being a bad movie. Yeah, and it, because like it's a Seagal movie, like man, like uh, without like what could it have been with a better? Yeah, someone better in that role. All right, do you want me to do it? Uh, you're next, buddy. We're at eight. Um, not 
Yes, eight, because I screwed <laughs> up my rankings. And my my eight, uh, again, Seagal, executive decision. I really like this movie, really enjoy it, but we're, we're getting into where it's getting really hard to rank up, and something's going to be a little lower. That's fair. It's just I, a um, little bloated, a little long. Um, it, it it is it's you you almost have too many good actors in it. Um, I think the fun part is Seagal's death, where he gets sucked out of yeah. the. And actually, the, I think he's his acting. I think is significantly better in this than Under Siege. I think he's actually pretty good in this. Um, because they're asking him to do the right level of stuff, and so I actually enjoy him in this <laughs> one more. Uh, but then it's really like. 30 minutes longer than it needs to be. <laughs> it is. I, I didn't like the um the shootout that happens and then it goes back into now it's an airplane drama with with uh Kurt Russell trying to land the plane. It's like that, that's that's at least 15 minutes too long. And the uh some of the backstory of the terrorist group it, it becomes it's, a little a little heavy handed. Very generic bad guys. Too. Yeah, there's nothing memorable about um yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, 9-11 kind of ruins this movie. Uh, it, it, <laughs> I know. I did like the one bad guy. Like some of the bad guys aren't in on what the plot is. That's a fun little twist in it, but um, they don't they don't personalize the bad guys enough to really care about that. Right. That no, they're all I, just I generic agree. Middle Eastern terrorist guys, and so you don't they don't ever want you to feel anything for them. So. Yeah. And now that's another uh, Tom Clancy jerk off dress. Yeah. <laughs> um, All right. What do you have at eight? Skyscraper. And I think. You motherfucker. <laughs> I, I actually enjoyed it. Yeah. I did. I, you, you were right. I, I didn't give it <laughs> The enough fact that it's not your last is. Yeah. <laughs> I it's feel a, 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 a victory right? for me. Yeah. I think, I think where it lost me was, and we talked about it a lot in the episode, it, it lacks a good central villain to to um yeah. act as a foil to the rock and i think that's that's the problem is you sort of have i think his name is zhang is the the billionaire that owns the building where the pearl that, that that's the the focal point of the movie and then i can't remember the the other guy's name but it's the uh the mercenary who um is hired by i think like the chinese triad to uh mob to come in and, and take take back all this information um it's just they, they try and kind of put too much into it without having a really good villain to focus against and i think that's that's where it falls apart for me is it's not that it's a bad movie it just doesn't do a good job um coalescing around um like a hans gruber type that that would have made you yeah. feel like you're there's a there's a good battle uh uh brewing there yeah, and this is where the rankings were a little hard because for me, basically like four through ten, I could see doing this exact same run like two years from now and changing all of them. And my four through ten being totally like flip flopped around, just yeah, because yeah, like they all have flaws. It just depends how much you care about that flaw on that viewing. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. What, all right, so that was my number oh, eight. <laughs> number eight. Okay. So what is your number seven? Passenger 57. Really? Yep. Mm. Mm. So you're a So all right, we're gonna be a while till we hear your your 57. Oh yeah, no, we're 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 pretty far apart now. 
Um, okay. Okay. So uh, mine was it's it's good. I really enjoy it. The <laughs> villain is a little like mustachey twirly. They tack on the carnival county fair stuff to make it a make it a movie you can release in movie theaters because it's a hundred percent that's, that's not, making the movie longer. That's it because it's over sixty minutes. Um, and so it's. It's just uh, I felt seven was around the right spot. It's doing a lot of stuff good, but it's never doing anything too great. I think Snipes is pretty great in it, but yeah. the movie itself is never really jumping up to the highs. I think some of the other the movies on the list do. Uh, no, I think that's fair. I I like what I liked about it, and we'll we'll certainly talk about it much higher up in the process. <laughs> Um, <laughs> is um, it, it is kind of the zenith of Snipes, if you will, or at least the start of of that that upward trajectory for Snipes. The the supporting cast around him is not that good, and the and the premise is not that good. But um, this is where nostalgia takes over for me. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And I saw it with my grandfather as a kid on HBO. Okay. In the early '90s, and so I remember and, staying up, staying up late at their house one night and watching it with him, and it was like a lot of fun. And uh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's it's got a nostalgia factor that I can't. It's hard, really hard to beat that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So I um so at number seven for me, and this might be surprising just because I suggested it, but um I put Dread. Okay. Um Even though I gave I it a four, a four out of five, and you gave it a four four and a half out of five, I think it's it's a technically well-done movie and it, and it brings a lot to the table and it does a great job in 2012 of sort of the high violence that a eighties action movie can deliver on. And you don't really get in modern movies um, where it left me behind was it's a very singular story. And I don't, excuse me. I don't, um, it just doesn't have like a high rewatchability factor for me it's good and it's well done and it's technically a very competent movie. And I, and I think it's, it's underrated for how it did at the box office. Cause I think we, when we talked about it, it underperformed against its budget, but I, I struggle with dread is, is sometimes too much of a two dimensional character. And the movie's a little bit too myopic sometimes in terms of what it, what it tries to accomplish. And I think that, Given the other stuff we've seen, I don't have a, a huge affinity for it in terms of nostalgia. So it, it kind of loses out on some fronts that maybe aren't fair. It does a good job, and I think it's yeah. a good movie for what it is. But it's not something that, like, to your point, in two years, I'm, I'm not going to come back to it and be like, "Yeah, I got to rewatch Dread because I, I you know, I really want to see this this scene or this thing again." Interesting. It's funny. A lot of the faults you're saying are potential strengths to me because I think just where I'm at in life right now, whereas that really hyper-focused nature of it, I appreciate, but I had never seen it before. It's my first viewing. So yeah. I'm really curious to maybe try to revisit this in like two or three months and see what my reaction is. Because I could see it either going up or go and being like, oh, I really appreciate what this is doing, or going down of like, oh, well, I've seen this now and I know what it's doing. And like, yeah, okay, it's still fun and good. But like, 
it, it's one way or the other, but my, the initial viewing for me, uh, it's definitely, definitely higher. No, that's fair. Like I said, I, I don't give it a, a seven because it's, it's bad. It's one of the higher ranked movies I actually have on my list. It's just, yeah. I mean, it's also starting to get into where, yeah. It's like, yeah. It, it becomes one or two sub- spots or like, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's very subjective. And, and I, I struggled for probably spots one through five pretty heavily. So, so what do you have for number six? All right. Number six, uh, I did all of my airplane ones in a row. I have Air Force One. All right. Fair enough. Fair um, enough. I, I just felt, even though I rated some of these higher than Air Force One on like a number scale, I just felt the quality of the filmmaking was good enough. I, I kind of, and also kind of influenced my list of sticking all these airport ones together just as a group in the middle and just being kind of like, Eh, like they could all jump around at any given time, so I'll just stick them all here, and that's it's around where they all should be. Yeah, they they all feel a little bit generic on some level to me too. Um, uh, I, yeah, it's like yeah. So, did you not like? Um, I don't know. I guess I guess I'm a little surprised you didn't have that higher from what you were saying earlier. That that you know on a, on a sort of a technical basis this is a much probably probably one of the better movies we've watched in this in this run well i think it, i think this is where it hit for me the what am i going to watch again yeah like what's the next thing i'm going to watch and because all of these are the die hard on a plane it was like okay well if i'm going to watch a die hard on a plane movie and honestly i think i would probably do passenger 57 before your force one but no the answer is correct that's correct answer but i but i, I but i think that's because passenger 57 is really short <laughs> yes. it's not demanding much whereas air force one is more of a like sit down and watch this movie and it's going to be serious yeah and so I, that i i don't want to like you kind of said, it's not as rewatchable. Yeah, and so and so, I'm, I was trying not to detract from that. Of no, I think what it does is good. It just doesn't. It doesn't feel rewatchable for me. Um, but I can certainly see other people feeling that way. So, um, I felt it, it's probably the you know the best made, most professional, most but. Um, yeah, that's. But any given time, I see all three of these airplane ones flip flopping around. Fair, no, fair enough. Well, speaking of flip flopping around, <laughs> um, I picked "Sudden Death" as my number six for flip flopping around on on pucks. Uh, okay, and I, I think okay. um, I I like it as a Van Damme movie. I think it's probably the most low class movie in terms of uh what it brings uh of all the all the stuff we watched in this run wow i uh well it, it's the most to me the most blatant diehard on a blank movie and it's diehard on a stanley I, top i put pasture 57 up there too yeah, it's been right. a Fair pretty blatant just diehard. But I get I get what you're saying. They're doing the diehard formula. In the, they, yeah. they are, and it's like down to the the point of you have this kind of smarmy uh, uh, villain that's Powers Booth. He's a pretty good yeah uh, uh, Hans Gruber proxy. 
but I think um, it is rewatchable and it, it is a fun movie. And I, I like that it, in a lot of ways it tries to kind of rush through a lot of the tropes and, and beats of, of Die Hard with uh, using um, uh, radios to communicate with the outside and 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 that sort of setting up the the, the Al Powell um, uh, John McClane dynamic. <laughs> um, for better or worse but it's it's fun but i don't think it ever i don't know i i, I just i i enjoy the the van damme aspect of this and it does feel like it's a a lower budget knockoff and i think i i could see myself rewatch whenever i find this on streaming i'm gonna rewatch it and that 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 puts it further ahead for me in, in terms of uh um ratings it's a, it's an easily re- rewatchable one. And Powers yeah. Booth is is just kind of going over the top, and I think that 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 makes for a fun a, a fun bad guy to watch. Yeah, and, and some of the, like because uh, yeah, a lot of those things are will make it rewatchable. It's such a diehard ripoff that like you never like you can pick it up anytime, just watch it, or like yeah, it's, it's you know you know the beats of this movie. Yeah. All right. So what do you have at number five? Number five. Or wait, number that was that was number yeah number five because yeah, should be five. number yeah. six yeah. Dwayne the Rock Johnson and Skyscraper. All right, I enjoy it. it. I, I've Defend seen it. this movie. No, no, I've seen this movie three times now. I've enjoyed it every single time. I'm sure I'll watch it again. And I just, I, I it definitely has some flaws. I uh, think you talked about the villains, not that memorable, but. I just really, I don't know. I just really enjoy this movie. I find the building interesting as a character with like kind of the smart tech stuff, um, and it kind of hits a fun spot for me where there's a lot of like things to nitpick and like a a way that are fun though, a way that I I kind of enjoy while I'm watching it to like nitpick these like mistakes the movie's making. Um, and so, like, so I think Air Force One right behind this, and that, if I haven't seen it in a long time, it's like, yeah, that that'll be nice, like, that'll be like fun to watch. But like having just seen it, it's like, oh, that kind of sound feels like a slog to watch. <laughs> Whereas like skyscraper is like, oh, that's just gonna be fun. Well, I, I, I again, I go back to I don't, I don't think it's a bad movie. It was just a boring movie to me and that's where I, I had a hard time with it was the the villain was not well defined and i think that's that's a big weakness for it too especially yeah, on a, I, for a diehard on, on a on a blank run. yeah and i i i was not gonna be shocked if you had this at the bottom of your list and i would would not have faulted you for it um it just it just works for me what it's doing i i would rewatch it it's just gonna be uh, i'm gonna rewatch it while i'm doing something else if that yeah, makes sense I, right yeah a hundred percent it's like, oh, like I'm gonna be like doing some cleaning and like flipping through the channels, like what's on? Oh, FX is skyscraper, sure, why not? Yeah. Like, yeah. Which is probably the channel that will show this nine hundred oh, oh, and they have. <laughs> yeah. Um All right, we're up to the top four. All right. Well the, my number five is, is Oh I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um a a it's it's a chef's kiss when it comes to a choice because it, <laughs> it, it is under siege. So what what made you put Casey Ryback uh, all the way? All the I, I actually thought I was going to put this in my top. All three. the way to the top half. 
it's a highly rewatchable movie because I remember seeing this a bunch as a kid. So I think nostalgia probably outweighs it. But yeah, that's fair. I, I will say that watching it this time, I expected to have this ranked probably in the top two or three. So did I. Yeah. And it fell a lot because, and it, it probably will keep falling because Seagal is just so bad. And I think that I realized when we talked through it, really what, 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 what props it up is the villains in this with, uh, Gary Busey, Cole Meany, and then um, uh, Tommy Lee Jones really delivering on it. The script is not that good, and I think you and I point out a lot of a lot of places where there's uh, perhaps hanging threads that like like the the backstory of of Stranix and Ryback knowing each other from from Panama that that just don't work well. But in spite of all that, you've got some really fun bad guys. They're doing some crazy stuff here. And um I I think I give it that much credit just because or or, or despite all of the the baggage that um uh Seagal brings to it. Yeah, it's interesting. It's almost the like anti skyscraper in that the bat it's like overwhelming it's like overwhelmed with like good bad guys yes like, yeah, like it doesn't, well, doesn't have like a hero you really care to root for but no and that that was why i had a hard time with where like where do i place this because i don't like seagal that much and it's a fun movie and it's a good looking movie but the hero is not very sympathetic or interesting to to um to watch and it's funny because everything else we cover like the hero is the focal point here to andrew davis's credit he's trying wherever he can he is trying to like back out seagal from having any kind of lines or input into the overall the overall product uh for for the for his credit so yeah, and as right. we talked about in the podcast, I've gone really up and down on this one where I've loved it and this time didn't enjoy it as much. And I, I, I think it can be really hit or miss on how much those bad guys, the fun of those bad guys, carries it for you. Yes, and I think I think um, uh, Tommy Lee Jones is batting a thousand in this, um, and it's 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 all yeah. the all the energy of Two Face in the park is mine. Uh, wrapped into <laughs> one bad guy. <laughs> so, all right, what do you Good. what do you have? What do you have for? All right, for I have sudden death. All right, I I just I love Van Damme. I I think a big part of it is the early that early mid nineties like ESPN stuff. I'm super nostalgic for, and that goes like a long way for me. Just like. Like, oh man, I don't know. There's there's a lot of love there for that. And I the Powers Booth is a good <laughs> groover. Yeah. yeah. He's not like he's like a like the he, JV he's evil. Squad groover. Yeah. <laughs> but so he gets the job done and it's preposterous in all the right ways <laughs> of of all of this stuff. So, it's and then it's like Van Damme fights a person in the Pittsburgh Penguins like mascot costume. It's like yeah, like, which, which he is, was having a relationship with before that. Like that yeah. was somebody before that person was killed. He was having a 
sexual relationship with with icy it's like this is it's like yeah it's like air force one is super serious and it's like like under siege has super fun villains but like the hero's not that fun it's like oh like this the villain's fun i i always enjoy van damme and then they've got him like fighting like crazy situations and stuff so yeah, it's just a lot to like enjoy. And then there's like the stuff with his kids, which is like hilarious in its own way. And his kids are the worst part of this movie. Yeah, it, it hits the right, it's the right things for me. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I picked Executive Decision at four. Wow, which feels high now. That it sure does. <laughs> um, I like. Kurt Russell in this. I like Halle Berry in this. I like the premise. And once you get past Seagal and a lot of the the war room stuff, I feel like the the, the stuff they do on the plane with Cahill, which is played by um, it's Joe Morton. It's the second Joe Morton role we have on this list. Yeah, but yeah. I can't remember if Cahill was the bomb guy or if he was. Uh, yeah. uh, Cahill is played by um, the guy from. Lake Placid, what's his name? Oh, um, yeah, yeah, Oliver so Platt. Was, it's Oliver yes. Platt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I like a lot. Leguizamo, I like you get. Yeah, you got Leguizamo. You've got uh, Kurt Russell. You've got you Oliver Dr. Platt. You've got Joe Morton. You've got uh, you got Kurt Russell's ex brother in law in this, who plays, <laughs> we, we, which we talked about, who plays one of the uh, one of the seal Navy seal guys. I like all the stuff on the plane. I think building up to it, it's it's kind of a cheesy movie. But um, I, I'll watch it if it's on TV, and I, I look at it as a it's a nostalgia movie because I remember reading Tom yeah. Clancy books when I was a kid. Okay, yeah, it's very Tom Clancy. Yeah, it's very Tom yeah. Clancy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for better or worse. I so I, I, there's a, there's a nostalgia <laughs> factor for me wrapped into that one. All right, so nice. We've not talked about Cliffhanger. We've not talked about Dread. We've not talked about no. You t- you talked about Dread. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I I did. You have not, yeah. and I I have not talked about Pastor Fifty Seven yet. So we have four movies that I think we've we're isolated. Hitting here. <laughs> yeah, we're we're about to, to hit on. Do you want to so, do, you, do, you do your three? Let's see. So uh, number three for me is Pastor Fifty Seven. Okay, I assumed it had to be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a pretty easy one at this point. Um, uh, yeah, uh, Pastor Fifty Seven to me, I like. It's a it's a very fun snipes vehicle. It's got weird stuff with um, Sizemore, and then uh, who's the guy the the Green Greenwood? What's his name? Bruce Greenwood. Br- yeah, Bruce Greenwood is the CEO <laughs> of the airline. Yeah, it's got some weird like caked on. Just we're gonna give Snipes as much credibility as we can for his character for for John uh, John Cutter. Um. But like even as cheesy as it is, again, it goes back to as a kid, I watched this with family and I have like a really good memory of just um, the action sequences and that being cool and it being sort of the introduction of, of Wesley Snipes as, as like an action, like a like a no shit action hero. And so I think like that's where I kind of live and die for this movie is is the the maybe the, the the legacy it leaves not necessarily the quality of the movie itself the legacy it leaves um i don't particularly like 
the the villain in this, uh, the Charles Rain. But I, I did I did laugh. He's still fun at times. He yeah. is fun. I did laugh to myself today because I had made steak over the weekend. I had some leftovers I took to work today. And I was I was like, oh, it's kind of rare. And I'm like, and I was just to myself. This is how <laughs> weird I am. I was thinking like, I'll have the steak bloody. <laughs> like, like you know that's when you love a movie but it's like it infiltrates your brain in that way yeah and i'm like i'm in the kitchen just making like heating my lunch up i'm like how fucking weird am i that i'm thinking about pastor 57 while i'm heating up my lunch it's just like all right there's something wrong with me but that's why i but i picked it i picked it at number that's why three. it's a number three it's a number three so uh, i'm assuming nice. your number three is dread you're correct excellent which I, I really enjoyed i really enjoyed this just it's just such an efficient movie of getting from point a to point b at, at the end and i just really appreciate and there are a lot of times where i was nervous about what they were gonna do and they made the right choices and like pulled it off and, yeah. and did it did it right and so they I could just see like the potential problems or like like flaws they're gonna have, and they like did not go down that road. Went a way that worked, and so I think I just really appreciated how just we're watching all these action movies and, that, and like it's they like they have flaws and different things, and like this was just like nailing the choices they were making. For where it was going, and and I think from all the time we spent talking about Judge Dredd, <laughs> to <laughs> see them do that right, <laughs> yeah, probably like it just impressed me. So, like, oh, thank you. Like, <laughs> so that really, they really fucked that one up because you you did this the right way. <laughs> uh, yeah, they did. I I I I agree. I think I think it it, it is a well done movie that that delivers on. It's genuine to the comic book. Um, Carl Urban does a very good job, I think, portraying the character. And I, I, I think yeah. where it works really well is they use CGI to enhance the movie. It's not, it's not filler um, for mm. for gaps in the plot. And I think um, it's it's really true to the comic book, and it's not as hokey or over the top or maybe um starring actor focused is like what the judge dread for 95 was so yeah. i think and, they, they caught yeah, carl urban at a really good time for in his career i think to make yeah this. he is great and i appreciated the world building they built a world that felt yes. authentic and real to this character and what it well i i think the comic book probably is um yeah which is not always easy to do so yeah um, all right so let's all right, we're gonna stick on yeah. you. What is your number? So we're on top. Sorry, I almost, All right. I almost, I almost flip flopped this after talking tonight. <laughs> but I'm sticking with number two. I have cliffhanger. I, I've got cliffhanger at number two. All right, I've watched this probably four times in the past eighteen months, <laughs> and I'm not sure entirely why. I think maybe they did it on like rewatchables, and so I watched it for that. Yeah, and then we too. were doing it, and like, I don't know, like, but and then also I think it's because when I was watching it one time, it was one of those times where it was like 
three ninety nine to rent and like four ninety nine to buy. So yeah. I just bought it, and so like now I have the digital copy. So there've been times I just said like put it on, and like I find myself like watching it again, and like I'm never like bored with what's going on. I'm always into it, and like I'm like man, like I'm more and more impressed with it. Even though the more I watch it, like, you can find so many little flaws and holes. It's still like they really crafted like some characters in the movie that pull you in. Uh, it's it's just it's just a blast. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I um, it I, I had a hard time too uh, picking between this and obviously the spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> speed is number one for both of us. Um, but I, I I had a hard time picking between the two of them, and I think um, um, this hits a lot of really fun action tropes. And it, and it lands it lands in a good time at, at the, the kind of the zenith or maybe even the the post zenith uh, point for for Stallone, and um, it, it's a movie that I wish they still made today, and I I, I can't think yeah. of a good modern proxy for what um for what would measure up to this, but it's 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 a lot of fun and 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 it's um to your uh, well we just talked about it um. It's good visual effects. It's competent director. It's a competent DP. Um, it's good sound design for 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 the score, and it's it just works on so many different levels. And I, I that's why I, that's why I, I had a hard time too between this is as either number two or number one was I didn't know what to which one to pick other than the rewatchability of I will always watch Speed if it's on TV. Um, and cliffhanger is a little bit more of like a well, I'll I'll catch it later if it's not a you know if I don't get it. So, so I, I think the difference for me for the two was uh, it was more unlikely for Speed to be great. Yeah, and I appreciate I, I appreciate they pulled it off. They made True. a great movie, whereas. I mean, we talked about the event. They had all, everything was there for it to be great. And they did it, which it, it doesn't always happen that way. So it's impressive. But Speed could easily have been just a forgettable, nothing movie. And it became a massive like pop culture phenomenon and like was a whole thing. And like, I think that was harder to do and like not it's hard to say harder because this is like people are mountain climbing and like doing stuff that's much <laughs> harder make them so like the like it's a i'm gonna talk about like degree of difficulty it's it's like they but they just went and spent money to make cliffhanger and it, it worked out for them and so i'm happy about that whereas speed they had to make like the right storytelling choices uh for that to work and that's to me is like a little more impressive uh fair i i, I think too the the uh, the cast of speed is more interesting to me um you you have mm -hmm. keanu reeves who's still kind of not quite known as an action character or action hero quantity uh you've got jeff daniels you've got joe morton you've got sandra bullock uh being introduced really and then a lot of sort of those guys plus dennis hopper is a bad guy and i think that's what speed is like more fun and it's a movie i have a very good memory too of i remember watching that on 
from from Blockbuster as a kid, and it's sort mm-hmm. of like a uh, it just sticks in my brain better. Oh, that's a good point. I do have more memory. I probably have more nostalgia for Speed. Yeah, because I watched that when it came out when you could rent it, and Cliffhanger yep. was probably a little later for me. Of a, yeah, that, that's probably a big influence too. But I, I I do think it's I think what's interesting is between Speed and Cliffhanger, they're both pretty competently made movies. Um, uh, personally, my preference is probably Jan de Bont is, is a better visually a better director than than perhaps Rennie Harlan. Rennie but Harlan. That, hmm. that's not to say that Rennie Harlan didn't also make some really really good action movies. He he did Die Hard too. He did this. Yeah. He did um um uh um, long kiss good night yeah that's what i was trying to think of too um, and i think those were those were really good action movies that kind of were also staples in my in my mind of of, of being a kid i mean i i also think rennie harlan actually both those guys probably had bad timing for the overall a- the the action yeah they were peaking genre yeah so that with, kind with of it, genre was going down oh they was going a different direction yeah these guys got hot right when the genre was shifting and i think that was that was unfortunate but debont to me has a little bit more creds with having been the dp for verhoven for you know for a couple years before yeah i wonder with debont too i was thinking about this of i mean he's like late 70s early 80s like dp on stuff like i just wonder too if he hit he is peak sooner or, well, he hit like 20, 25 years of doing this. It was like, well, I've made a shitload of money. Like, I'm going to retire. Like, I, I'm not getting projects that interest me. I'm not, it's like, yeah, I've made the money. And like, I'm going to go, like, I, like maybe, I don't know if he had kids. Or like, I was like, oh, like, I don't know. He's done this a long time. He may have just decided to, like, step away and do other things. So, like, it, it could have. I mean, even Harlan, like, it's weird. After about 2000, he doesn't have really a career that that's noteworthy. And I, I don't think that's because he's not capable. I just don't. I just think that the industry changed. I think it's yeah for Rennie Hall. I think they weren't spending the money. Yeah. On those types of things, I think that's what he was great at is making the big money blockbuster and like yeah. do think, it to like you doing that, and people weren't looking to do that anymore. That's kind of what I feel like. If I had to think about directors for like the big action movies and, and set, big set piece movies of the, the late nineties and early two thousands, it's like Michael Bay, probably Rennie Harlan, Jan, Jan DeBont and, and like Roland Emmerich. And those were the guys who had like just sort of these huge giant set piece action movies that, 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 that were going to bring in crowds that, Kind of were starting to die off in the two thousands or late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, I, every time we talk about this, I, I will like Google something like, "Oh, well, they made that movie. They made that movie." Um, it's so, it's, I'm never quite sure how much, but it feels like maybe they were going already to so like two thousand two. Biggest movies, Spider Man. Star yeah. Wars Episode Two, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, uh, Lord of the Rings, Two Towers, Men in Black Two. I think they go through the two ten, like the top ten of things. And so, like, already getting into that derivative um, uh, IT sequel, yeah, driven kind of stuff where that high concept movie is not what necessarily people are looking for. I mean, you still have like 
Signs is up there, but that's when um, Shyamalan's a massive. You probably get just about anything made. Well, that's his first um, movie post Sixth Sense, right? I think, yeah, I think so. So he's hot. Yeah. So he, he he can get stuff done, and then like action movies, you have Die Another Day. Like that's a Bond movie. Sucks. Um, <laughs> I went to go yeah. see that in theaters in in Atlanta, and I just remember going, leaving <laughs> with my roommates and just being like. This this franchise yeah. is done. Well, apparently it was. They rebooted. Well, it was it was with Brosnan, so that's for sure. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but then, like Minority Report, um, but that's like a Spielberg movie. It's like I, those guys aren't Spielberg. Like trying. No, to and that's it. a different Spielberg movie too, right? Like that's that's more of a yeah, sci-fi. It's going sci-fi. It's, it's very like, dark yeah. for 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 Spielberg. Um, but like Born Identity. Um, but that's like down at like the twenty-one of the box office. Still really good, but that's like launching from an IP, uh, but you could see one of these guys directing it, but um, this didn't happen, but it's really going through, I mean, I mean, you're going down to like the Scorpion King as, or like Ooh. Blade 2. Yeah. Um, and we froze. And it's a picture of Michael looking very interested in what's going on. So I'm going to pause this and we'll see if we can come right back. And we are back. So, All right. <laughs> so now we we're talking about uh, uh, DeBont and Harlan and, and kind of in that, that period of the, the mid late two thousands, their, their careers, you know, sort of waning because of the change in the genre. And it's, it's weird. It's not for a lack of talent. It's not for a lack of, of, um, maybe even decent scripts. It's just for whatever reason, like I think Hollywood begins to err, err away from these movies and, and to your point gets pretty deep into the, the uh, IP properties like uh, uh, doing sequels with men in black, the superhero movies start. Yeah. It's just, it just sort of everything. I think the opportunities weren't there. No, so much because they were going into these IP driven things or they were, and, and, didn't want they those guys probably had done enough where they wanted some control and the studio didn't want to they were managing these IPs and not want to give them control. No, I, I look, I think that's that's kind of the downfall of of a lot of movies is is financially it's not worth the risk to give it over to to somebody who might who could fuck it up. Do or a vision. Yeah. Yeah. So yep. it's a, it's it's a shame that's kind of how things went, but um, I guess yeah, because uh, you'd love to have like one or two more movies from from these guys. Well, and like like I think Rennie Harlan's last movie I can think of, I think it was that movie, the Stallone movie Driven, and like that's just not yeah. a good movie for Stallone or for yeah, you hate that like it has to go out on that. <laughs> yeah, and I, I let me see, I think uh, I'm gonna look it up. Um, and and Jan de Bont, to be honest with you, I haven't really looked at like what he's done in recent history, but yeah, I think he really moved away from stuff when we were looking at speed. Um, yeah, like uh, uh, Rennie Harlan was a producer, but. But again, Debont was born in like forty three, so he was he was sixty in two thousand three. So like, I, he, I mean, two and that he directed Tomb Raider: Cradle of Life, 
in 2003. Yeah, which 60, we, and that's the last saw. movie he directed. But he was also 60, and they have just said, like, uh, like I'm like, like fuck it, it's not I'm retiring. It. Like, I think this is an age you do retire at. I have the money to do that, and like, I'm gonna go enjoy things, not fight. Like, and I, I maybe if there were like awesome opportunities there, maybe he would have done something, but it's also like that's a pretty reasonable choice to. No, it is, and I, I I don't think I would fault him for it. But it's 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 frustrating when you look at like Harlan's career too. Is he did a couple episodes of Burn Notice? Yeah, he did some other generic. He did a bad Bruce Willis movie. He did Driven in two thousand one, and it's like that's like the last kind of like what's supposed to be a blockbuster movie he does, and it's just not. It's just a shame. It just none of this lives up to what I think his his abilities were. Same with same with um Debon. De it's just something shifts in two thousand, and all of a sudden these guys are kind of persona non grata when it comes to uh, um making bigger movies. And it's just the, the it's yeah, like the market shifted. I mean, uh, Rennie Hall has got some kind of stuff like post production museum, but I don't know where it's really what it really is. But I'd be I'd be curious to hear where like, what he did, what he turned down. I mean, because he does some stuff that's still like studio, but then kind of, especially Harlan, kind of slowly slips into not being like the A list director of something like this, of something yeah. like Cliffhanger. Um, and, and I, but I just think that's not having hits because he's not getting attached to the right like yeah it's some of it's getting unlucky like he just you know the right thing it's in the right way like i'm sure he's competently directing these things um but it's just this was only so much you can do on that and and i don't know if it's also like he's at a place where he's asking you know his price is expensive um Could as be. well in there doing stuff more for a foreign market where they're using his name to sell things or um yeah i don't know well so all right it's interesting <laughs> you, you and i were very different in the middle but we we we, we came, came together came together as always um <laughs> and um um come back to effectively the same kind of almost the same top three so we've covered 10 or 11, if I can't count, um, movies uh, in this run um, uh, for Die Hard on a Blank. What do you think we should do next? Because I think we're, <laughs> we want to take a take a bit of a break, maybe for, for part of the month of May. And we, we want to roll pretty hard into celebrating America uh, <laughs> uh, and, and, and some good movies that might come along with that. So I, I think you want to anticipate in the summer... We uh, may have some vacations, may have some things. I think I think we want to give some time to build stuff up and get back on a release schedule. So uh, you know, like last week, I got sick and we missed a we missed a release time. But I I was proposing to you we do a I I I didn't know what we should call it. Um, <laughs> it's either God bless Chuck Norris or Chuck Norris the Beautiful, <laughs> and we do <laughs> we do Memorial Day to the Fourth of July. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Chuck Norris being a badass to fit in America. <laughs> uh, uh, what is his what is his real name? Oh man, I, I gotta look it up. 
But so I was looking at, you know, some things like we already did uh what the first mission in action, but getting like mission action two, invasion USA, Wait, Delta Force. Did, did, did we do the first missing in action? I'm pretty sure we did in the canon run. We did. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, we we, you're right. Because it was when he did all the Spider Man. Uh good old Carlos Ray Norris. Ah, Carlos. Carlos. I uh, can't wait to talk about him. Car- oh, Carlos. God, he's 83. Damn, that is bananas. He, w- he was born a-, a year and a half before the U.S. got involved in World War, World War II. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Woo! All right. But oh, yeah, man. so we, we want to do, do some a little bit of a patriotic spin with... Um, uh, <laughs> Hit, hit me with those movies that are that are that are Chuck Norris centric. Might not be the only ones, but so I I had proposed. Yeah, I think we need one or two more in this. So I had proposed uh, Missing Action Two, Missing Action Three. Oh God! <laughs> oh yeah, Delta Force, Delta Force Two, and Invasion USA. <laughs> yeah, so I I want to throw into the ring. I want to I want to put as a contender. Um, the 1990, uh, it's not quite canon uh, films produced, but um, the 1990 uh, Ma- Mannheim Golem uh, produced Captain America. That uh, oh, has, just to celebrate America. It's celebrate it America. Chuck Norris, but where? And I think it's got um, Ronnie. It's either Ronnie we, Cox or Ned Beatty is the president. Do we save that for the Fourth of July? I kind of think we might might want to save that it for the Fourth of July. Seems appropriate. All right. Yeah, I think so. Um, uh, I got to look it up now. It's got J.D. Salinger's, not to get too too far ahead of ourselves, but J.D. Salinger's child, <laughs> I believe, is the um, the lead for Captain America. And this is no Chris Evans movie, so I don't want people to get confused. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, Ronnie Cox plays the president. Oh, I like the sound of that. I bet you do. Yeah, um, he was on Star Trek. <laughs> Ronnie Cox, Jesus right? Yeah. I actually thought about this just for you. Is like, at some point we have to we have to do the Star Trek movies. It's just a just to come full circle on it. I kind of want to do like, I, I'm that'd be great. I'd love that, but I also would also kind of want to do a Star Trek episode with like one of these random actors. <laughs> Because they have really prominent, like, with, like I think Ronnie Cox is in the two putter, <laughs> like, 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 uh, he, he, like, he happened, like, we, we, we can, we can get a two for one with Ronnie Cox, yeah. Let's see. Well, I, I anyway, so I think, I think that's kind of the idea is like, we, we could potentially yeah, we finish, finish that, run with some silly canon, semi canon, semi not canon movies. Yeah, take a little break on the release schedule uh, for like a month or so, but then try to build up so you can hit the summer. Yeah, hard and be, uh, and then uh, have some ideas for after after celebrating America. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm uh, tomorrow. Do they get ready in the fall for for a horror run? Yeah. So, spoiler alert: um, this year in October. Friday the thirteenth falls on October thirteenth, two thousand twenty-three. So that pre- presents a really good opportunity for us to essentially do something interesting with with um, slasher movies and and um, do something different. So 
I just got stuck down a rabbit hole of Ronnie Cox's IMDb. <laughs> oh, that's gonna be a chill of the credits. It is, and it's like ha- it's like literally fifty percent TV, fifty percent feature film. Yeah, it's um, impressive. And then it's like even after he did Deliverance, which I think was like his first movie. Um, we're pretty close to it. Like he just does TV movie, TV movie, TV movie. <laughs> Good old Ronnie Cox. Good old Ronnie Cox. I uh, Dick Jones and Robocop yeah. <laughs> and Cohagen from uh, Total Recall. So he, he's in some pretty, and of course, Lieutenant Bogomel from um, uh, that, that, Dick, that Dick Jones and Robocop is iconic. <laughs> I'm protected by Dick Jones. <laughs> <laughs> he runs OCP. <laughs> um, uh. Man, we're gonna need to do a like dystopian movie run so we can do like Robocop or uh, yeah. Uh, we, we can do a Verhoeven run because Verhoeven's got some pretty pretty dystopian we, movies. We, we can do Showgirls. Showgirls. Well, that's that's actually what I'm secretly working towards is Showgirls. <laughs> Just um, turning this into a Showgirls podcast. <laughs> it, it's I definitely want to do like an Ed Two Hundred Nine and Showgirls podcast. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, I'm it's excited. been fun. That was a great. It was a good run. podcast run. <laughs> You're damn right it was, and we're going to be back to celebrate America, and celebrate Carlos Ray Norris, aka Chuck Norris, uh, as he kicks his way to protect our freedoms. We're also going to have as a guest host Kid Rock. Yeah, well, I think who else is going to deliver my pizza? <laughs> Zing! All right, see you on the next episode.